Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five, stand by. Four, three, two. Hello and welcome to Women on Deadline, a podcast about her experience in TV news. I'm Sierra Starks. And I'm Carolyn Hall. And this episode is titled, To MMJ or Not? Question mark. Loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Sierra, um, okay, what is or who is an MMJ? An MMJ, also known as a one-man band, and I guess for us, one-woman band, is someone who is both the reporter and photographer and editor and pretty much everything else. But you are in charge solely of crafting a story for the day. And that sounds pretty, uh, that sounds like fun. that sound like a headache? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What? That sounds like a headache. Why? Why? Well, I... even just even just explaining that, like I do this, 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 and that, all in a day, and I only get paid for one position. Right? That's and how you... it goes sometimes. And you're doing it times. under under deadline and mm-hmm. under stress. But you know, there's there's some really good things having to be having to do with being an MMJ, and that's you know you have complete control. You know, you like it's all it all rests on you and your ability to rise to the challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. But yeah, I, I can. I mean, I can imagine the sense of accomplishment after you finish is paramount. But maybe going through it, you don't feel like that. <laughs> it sounds like hell. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I don't know. It's you get into a rhythm and you're you're really challenged to like squeeze every second out of every possible moment you have to craft your story and I don't know I think there's a I think there's a lot to feel kind of satisfied with at the end of the day I know whenever I MMJ'd which hasn't been a whole ton but I have done it before just that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day is like wow I did that and I did all of it by myself and I have to wake up tomorrow and do it again. That's where that's where <laughs> I am in that, right? So yeah. Well, yeah, and and I mean that's why I didn't do it all the time. I I was nice that I got to like kind of cherry pick. Hmm, I think I'll do this. So it was all it was all on my terms, which was great. But I think so much of it has to do with your approach and how you choose to approach being an MMJ or how you choose to approach being a reporter or a photojournalist. So yeah. <laughs> So needless to say, I have strong feelings about um, the question to MMJ or not. I am a firm believer in not MMJing. And this is because if I was getting paid double the salary, I would totally MMJ. That sounds like a sweet gig. But um, in, in, in this day and age, that's not happening. You're doing two jobs for the price of one. Sierra, one thing that I think is so good that 
that you do, you're really intentional and very deliberate with your career tra- trajectory and all the research that, and effort that you put into kind of what you're doing and how you accomplish things. And so I think it's really interesting and good good for women to hear, like you're definitely seeking out the best employment opportunity that would satisfy you and, and make you happy. And so you're like, hell yeah, I don't want to, I'm in jail. I'm going to go to this other station over here. And can you just tell me a little bit about that process? Um, I just didn't want to take what the industry was throwing at me, right? They're like, you have, you must MMJ. And I'm like, I don't, I don't believe that to be true because, and Carolyn, you and I have talked about this before, but sometimes quality suffers, right? Because you're doing two jobs, Um, especially if you're just starting out. If you've got it down, you've been MMJing for years, you know, I, I can say with confidence that I've seen some MMJ stories where I'm like, wow, like, I don't even know how you put that together. You know what I mean? Like, just blows, blows my mind. But then, so quality suffers and your sanity suffers, honestly. Like, we just talked about, like, how hard sometimes it is to, like, get up and, and, and go in one man band a story for the day and you feel this sense of accomplishment, but then knowing that you have to do it again and again and again and again, it's just a little disheartening. Oh, that sounds exhausting. Just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> just like, Oh God, like every, every day, day in and day out. And I think, I don't know. That's why I really enjoyed being able to cherry pick from time to time when I MMJ'd. And it's like, it was always on my terms. I don't know that I would be able to do it day in and day out. I, I, I know that I could have done it day in, day out if I wanted to at my last station at KTVA, but I just, it wasn't something that I was really passionate about. The times that I did do it, the sense of accomplishment at the end of the day was very gratifying. And it was like, yes, like I put that together and I'm proud of it. And I was able to do it on my terms and the words are mine and, you know, the visuals as usual are mine. And I don't know, just the cohesiveness that comes out of being able to MMJ your own piece is really like seamless. And I think it tells a stronger story or has the potential to tell a stronger story depending on your approach and how you manage the elements that you're gathering. Right, because I've heard from photographers who say, you know, they've gone out, shot a story with a reporter, and they've gotten some of the best shots of their life, and <laughs> and they've covered all the bases in terms of, you know, the visual elements, and they come back, and they get the script from the reporter, and it's like, wait, you know, were we at the same <laughs> event? Like, yeah, right, what? Right. <laughs> like, what is this piece of garbage? <laughs> Carolyn's words, not mine. Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I know. But I, I and I think it's it's also incumbent upon the photojournalist, though, to be communicating what those visuals are with the reporter. If that's not taking place, then, you know, the photographer doesn't have much to complain about. I don't think you really got to, you know. Start the conversation in the field. Start it, you know, as soon as you get into the news rig and you're on your way to the story. Start talking about the potential visuals and how you might implement them in the story. Um, as as you're shooting in the field and you're like, oh, man, like, Sierra, I got this awesome shot. And I think if you were to write to it in kind of this way, it would really go well with this image. And it's just, you got to communicate in the field. If that's not taking place, then the story's really going to suffer. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And having been an MMJ um, before, I I value, I guess, you know, what the photographer brings to the table as well. Because when I go out, I'm always cognizant of what shots my photographer is getting or what shots they aren't getting, what shots they could be getting. And then when it's time to write my script... I don't write to video we don't have, you know, (laughs) especially if I haven't communicated that I wanted that video, because at that point, it's just it's purposeless. It's too late. Right. Exactly. So I so the title of this episode is to MMJ or to not MMJ. And I am totally for people MMJing. Where are you at, Sierra? Unless you are paying me for like the salary of both jobs combined, I don't. It's, it's unfair and it's not right. Yeah. And I, I get that argument. Um, I think it's also really, uh, good for women, especially to challenge themselves and to develop their skills and to learn new skills and to, you know, just beef up your resume. And because who knows someday, you know, maybe not for you, Sierra, because like you, you know exactly what you want, what you don't want, but. Um, I think it's really important for people to have um, a broad array of skills in order to get a job at a, at a station that they really want to be at. You know, maybe maybe there's a reporter who really wants to work at one particular station at like a big market, let's say, or a bigger market. Um, and the only way for her to get in is if she learns how to be an MMJ. And then from there, she can transition into, you know, being a reporter or, you know, or maybe on up to an anchor. I don't know. Like, do you sacrifice in any way and just kind of like bite it and just be like, all right, I'm just going to do the, do this because I want to be in this city and I want to be at this station. This is my only way to do it. I've heard from reporters who are at least in their fourth or fifth station and are still MMJing and their frustrations are how, how long do I have to bite the bullet? Right. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Until finally, you know, I can I can sort of focus on like solely my own professional development and whatever it is I want to do. You know, I don't know. Hmm. So Sierra and I have let you all know where we stand with whether to be an MMJ. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Someone who is going to tell us what they think <laughs> is our guest for today. Who's our guest, Carolyn? Today, we are so thankful and excited to have Sarah Blake Morgan on as our guest. She is an MMJ at WBTV in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's also the creator of the Facebook group MM Jane, which has like a significant number of ladies in the group now. And we're super, yeah, we're super excited for her and for this group to exist. Um, and she's going to be telling us more about it. today is Sarah Blake Morgan. She is an MMJ at WBTV in Charlotte, North Carolina. She is also the creator of the Facebook group MM Jane, which has more than 1,600 members. Hello, Sarah Blake, and thank you so much for joining Sierra and I. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And I didn't even know we had 1,600 members yet, so that's exciting. I thought we were down to 15. Great. (laughs) So for our listeners, give us a little bit of background information as far as how long you've been in the business and kind of what your journeys, what your journey has been like as an MMJ. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, 
went to a small private school in Cleveland, Tennessee that really didn't have much of a journalism program. And um, I graduated not really knowing much about MMJing. I just knew I wanted to be a reporter. Um, I was kind of clueless except for the things I had learned in my internships, which did help a lot um, because I worked under some really good MMJs. But I graduated. I applied to 70 markets across the country, really any medium to small uh, size markets, and I got three callbacks, and I ended up going to Market 143, Lubbock, Texas, the best thing I ever did. You know, nowadays a lot of people are starting out in bigger markets, and l the best advice I can ever give is going to a small market. Um, it made me the reporter I am today. And so I spent two years there. Um, I was an MMJ there, also an investigative reporter for a small stint, and then I moved over to Charlotte about three years ago, three years ago in April. Um, so that was, this is market 22. So I did a 120 market jump, which was nice. But the reason I did that was because I was an MMJ and because I loved the craft, but that was a, a journey to get to for sure. Uh, so I, I'm a nightside MMJ. I cover it all. Um, I cover, you know, happy stories and then crime and really anything. And most of the time I'm by myself. As far as your journey goes, you haven't always embraced being an MMJ. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when everybody gets into the business, they have this skewed view, especially me. As I said, I didn't come from a you know well-versed journalism school that was teaching you, you know, what this business is really like. So I thought I would have a photographer and it would, I didn't, I wasn't looking for something glamorous, but I thought it would be a little bit more comfortable than it, than it is. Um, so yeah, I just did it for the first year or so in Lubbock because I had to, and I realized that I, me, like so many other women in this business are doing it because they have to and not because they want to. And I can't really pin down a moment where I just made, I was like, I'm going to make this decision to do it because I want to and not because I have to. But I did make that decision at some point and it completely changed. I wanted to get get good at this. I wanted to um, enjoy it because you're going to be miserable if you're just shooting because you have to. And you really see so many women who are miserable doing this. Um, so when I made that decision, everything changed. And now I wouldn't give up my camera for anything. Oh, nice. Is that is that how M.M. Jane, the Facebook page came about? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely probably about four, yeah, four years after that decision. But I had written a few articles um, just talking about making that decision because I think there are so many women who can benefit from it. If you do change your mindset, it changes your whole day. Your your it changes your work. Um, I personally think that my best work is my solo work because I'm not having to boss somebody around. And anyway, so I uh, I form. I think I went to the. It was a Southeast storytelling workshop in Atlanta last. Uh, June, where your husband spoke, Carolyn, and I, I just was speaking with so many women who were in a similar situation, and they had just started this female newscasters group that on Facebook that was all makeup and hair tips, and I would see an MMJ post scattered in there, and I was like, you know, we really need our own space. You can't relate to this unless you do it every single day, um, unless you're, you know, carrying equipment that's bigger than you. And I don't even carry a big camera like you do, Carolyn, but um, it can be tough. And I thought that we just needed a space for ourselves that we could share work 
just share encouragement and I wanted it to be an uplifting space and thankfully it's become that and it's really exploded and I've learned so much from the women in that group. What have you learned? You know, I've learned to be more confident. I've learned just little tips and tricks about how to, uh, you know, frame my shots better or how to make an interview subject feel more comfortable or a lot of little things about just how the daily workings and the things you are up against, like how people treat you out in the field. I mean, that, that happens a lot when you show up with your gear and you're this little blonde girl, people sometimes, especially where I am, you know, give you a double take, like, where's your photographer? So you just talk about like how you handle those things, because sometimes it can be kind of demeaning. Um, so we share advice and, and, and just, yo, this happened to me. How would you handle it? What would you say? Little things like that. So would you say that it's really matured into what your vision initially was? I think it's way more than my vision ever was. Um, I just saw this as a Facebook group and now I'm hoping to make it even bigger at some point, um, and have writers and do a website and that's down the line. Um, but people, I'm getting messages all the time from girls in small markets who say like, this is the thing that's gotten them by and comments and posts from other women is they look at that when they're at their low points, because we all know that this is a this is a tough business and we've all been at that low point where you're sitting in the car and your story has fallen through or at least for me, I've been there when my I wasn't using headphones and my audio didn't work when I had my first job and you're just, you think it's the end of the world. And just to hear that this space has provided some encouragement to a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel um, means a lot to me. I like that you mentioned the whole female newscasters thing. Like, of course, I'm a, I'm a part of the female newscasters Facebook group and a part of the MMJ and Facebook group, even though um, I have my own feelings about MMJ. Uh, but um, do you feel like sometimes some of that non-substance stuff slides through, like the selfies, like, oh, hey, look at me in the field with my MMJ face. I don't really know how to describe it, but the hair and makeup, like, I don't see very much of that, but I do see maybe people making light of the situation sometimes like, Oh, Hey, I, you know, I got free things or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and that's something that I don't really know how to, how do you deal with that? Because you never want to make someone feel bad about what they posted. Um, but there was a post in that other group recently that went, that was very harsh on other women's posts and that they were, you know, posting things for compliments and um, just how petty the arguments were. And I personally, I don't want to put people down for that. I mean, do I post the like for like thing? Probably not. That's not why I created the the space. Um, but as long as the conversation's positive, I just kind of take a back seat. If, if I ever feel like, um, there's something where, you know, someone else is being attacked or making someone feel less than, then I think I would get involved. But I, I don't want someone to ever feel bad about something they posted if it had good intentions, if that makes sense. Perfect. So it kind of sounds like you have some guidelines or some personal rules when it comes to monitoring um, MM Jane. It, and so I'm, I'm curious, are men allowed to join? No. So that's been a, a bit of an issue because when it started off, I, it just started as something so small. It had, you know, it was my friends and then they started spreading it um, or people just that I had met at the conference or knew, uh, you know, from Facebook. And I, there was a few guys from my station who were in it. 
And then I realized actually someone complained and it was like, I saw a guy in here and I was like, okay, we got to get these out. And they were just, they were just watching for the work. They, they, one of the guys, he was like, I'm just learning so much from all these posts. So it was, it was pretty soon. It was like maybe a week or two in where I was like, okay, no more men. And then, um, we've had a few slip through the cracks and one of them recently posted something and the girls instantly pounced and I was like, Oh, he must've slipped through the cracks. So there are a few people who it might be everyone's approving people. I'm not sure if it's just administrators or, um, or just anybody who's in the group. But so with all those people, people do slip through the cracks, but when I find them, I get them out because I've, I've learned quickly that there are some women who don't feel comfortable being themselves or speaking, you know, having the nature of the conversations they're having if they feel like it's a co-ed group. And I think that's what makes it so special as it is. Uh, I had a, a, a few people that, you know, lead other groups that are well known in the storytelling community and they've asked if they could be in it. And I had to say no. <laughs> no, absolutely. There are, there are no men allowed on women on deadline either. Great. We're that. half kidding. <laughs> we might interview a man from time to time, but like we have discussed, like this is for women that we are, <laughs> we're not going to have men be teachers on this podcast. Yes, that's good. <laughs> well, we need a safe space, in my opinion. Like I would rather, you know, know that I have girls in a group that have my back and not have to worry about um, the influence of a man or the opinion of a man that, you know, I didn't ask for. Yeah, that's true. And I think safe space is the exact word. Um, if, if I had to sum it up, it would be a, a safe space. I like that. Coming up, we're going to ask Sarah Blake about the overall climate of MMJing as Sierra has her doubts about the MMJ model and why Sierra has vowed to never be an MMJ. No, so. thank you. <laughs> so stick around. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Women on Deadline, her experience in TV news. We have Sarah Blake Morgan. A well-known MMJ, mostly because she started that MMJ and Facebook page that went crazy. I think when I looked at it, I didn't, I don't know. I was, once I saw MMJ and was a thing, I was excited about it, right? Like I was very, even though I'm not an MMJ at all, um, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I was excited about it because I feel like women MMJs deserve that space. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly what we needed, our own space. And you're not the only person that said that. I've. It's funny, in that female newscasters group, every time that someone 
they probably are really annoyed with me because I do this. Every time someone will post something about like being an MMJ, I instantly, I'm like, hey, you should join our group. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All, every single post. Um, but I have had, you know, comments from people saying, I'm not an MMJ, but I'm glad to see you all have your own space because it's so needed. Yeah. So I appreciate that. As Carolyn mentioned before, I am sort of anti-MMJ. Uh, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, I think starting out, um, I also got offers. Um, it's funny that you say three because I got three back to three callbacks too, right? So three callbacks all wanted me to MMJ. All were going to pay me pennies on the dollar. And I'm like, I'm doing two jobs for the price of one. So I didn't take any of those offers, which is kind of crazy because, you know, you want to break into the business, you break in. But I think for me, I wanted to make my own lane. And not really conform to what, you know, I, I believe this business model is becoming. So um, my question to you is, are you noticing that more women are MMJing and like starting out sort of making pennies on the dollar, doing that whole two jobs for the price of one? Absolutely. I, I don't know if there's any way for us to ever know the exact number, um, but it's been thrown around before. I, I think it's safe to say there are many more women who are MMJing right now. Um, especially in these smaller markets they're getting in. And um, I, like I said, I wish that we knew the exact number, but I, I would pretty much stake my life on the fact that it's more of us, which is why this is so important. Um, but they're, you know, they're slupping through their first job because they want that job so bad. And I, it's funny when I hear people say, this is where the industry is going. No, this is where the industry is. It's, it's there. There's, if you get a job right out of school with a photographer, you are very lucky. And I tell every intern that comes into me, get that that idea out of your head. You need to focus on your shooting, focus on your editing, learn how to run your own live shots. Unfortunately, that's that's not my favorite part of my job, but it's reality. And we can talk about that later. Um, but you you need to forget about this glamorous life where you're sitting you know, shotgun in a live truck and you have time to do your makeup because that's not what this is like at all. Do you think more women are willing to accept doing two jobs for the price of one versus men? Uh, like, uh, how do I No, that's a, that's like, a valid question. I know a lot of men who are just like, I'm just going to go the sports reporter route because this whole MMJ thing is not for me. Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm trying to figure out the right way to formulate the answer and because I was one of them. I think women are a lot more um, apt to be being okay with being walked all over, and I was. Um, not everybody, but especially right out of school, you're going to do whatever it takes to get in this business because it is so hard. Um, there's so many people who are applying for that first job, and I still look back at my first tape, and I don't know why the heck my news director offered me a position because it was terrible. And oh, I, we should trade, we should trade tapes. Oh, Can it was we please? so <laughs> bad. And I always say that to him. I'm like, listen, cause you know, I'm still friends with him to this day, but thank you for, you saw something. I'm not sure what it was because I can't see it looking at that girl, but thank you. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, we're, we are willing to do whatever it takes and we we are bigger dreamers maybe that's a better way of saying it we have these big goals and we're willing to do what it takes but that in turn that can also mean you know being walked all over in your first job how do we as women who have been in the business for a while how do we educate 
the younger generation who who is applying for that first job and who is willing to be walked over like how do we how do we educate and get the word out that it doesn't have to be that way yeah i don't know and i think the you know the main thing it's a little less of a sting to be walked all over and to be doing all these things if you're making fair wages but what the industry is paying mmjs right now is just completely absurd. It's happening everywhere. It's not just in market 143. It's in market 22. It's in, I was told by my agent that there was a time where I wanted to, I was hoping to work in Dallas. And I was told, well, if you want to work there, then you're going to need to take a reporter position because an MMJ isn't going to make any money. And that just makes absolutely no sense to me. So I don't know how you change it. Um, I would say tell, you know, these young women coming out of college not to take these poor wages, but then they don't get the job and then they get passed up. Uh, so I, I wish I could answer that. I don't know. And that's sort of my dilemma because like, I'll, I don't know. I tell people, you know, don't settle for, for less than what you're worth. Carolyn knows this. I say this all the time. And so I feel like I've been able to carve my own path. But like you said, I'm lucky, right? Like I've never had to go back to MMJing since I got literally got my foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. I think you are uh, very rare. And then there's ways around it. I mean, if you, you have a different path than, you know, most people coming out of school, you worked for print. So I think there are ways around it. Um, but that's rare. <laughs> so uh, what would you say, Sarah Blake, is the best part about your job? What motivates you with being an MMJ? That's a good question. I love, I, I, this might be a cliche answer, but I really do love having creative control over every aspect of my story. Um, I love the art of putting it together and the thought process and um every single day trying, and this isn't all the time, but for the most part, trying something new and um, trying to make this story better than yesterday's story. And that can be tough, especially in my market that's so breaking news and hard news driven and crime driven. Um, it's really, really hard to uh, keep your head above water. And you know, we're not, if I do a feature, a lot of times I have to shoot it on my own time. And for MMJs and for, you know, experienced shooters that's that's the lifeblood whether or not it should be that's you know not up for debate right now but that's you know what gets a lot of shooters through is those features that you can really dive into in those moments but I have to I'm challenged to make these hard news stories um, interesting and unique which can be difficult and I'm still gosh I'm still learning so much I I will be honest I've had like a three or four month rut that I really haven't been happy with any work that I've put together. And I don't, I don't know. That's just, you know, reporters and photographers go through ebbs and flows in that. And you just, you know, keep going and try to get out of that rut. And I'm still trying to get out of it. <laughs> That's a good topic. Like reporter rut or photographer rut, MJ rut. I like it. Like I, I, Carolyn, Carolyn had a rut once and then she quit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It was a little more complicated than that, Sierra. <laughs> it was a little more complicated, but that's like, if I was doing the long story short version, that's how it happened. It's a way to get out of it. I like it. There is so much more that we can get into about that, and we don't have enough time for that 
we don't. Okay, I do. I have a question about the whole the doing two jobs. Um, you're one person doing two jobs. Do you feel sometimes, and this might not be your experience, but have you seen that either one or the other suffers, either your reporting suffers or your shooting suffers, especially somebody just starting out who doesn't have the chops like you do, you know what I mean? And who is just like getting this camera thing going for the first time and has to make deadline. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what MMJs don't have is that travel time where they're sitting, you know, in the passenger seat of a live truck and they can do research and, um, they can write their web script or they can, you know, start putting together their story or logging or something. We don't have that. We're always having to go. There are no breaks. Um, and I'm lucky because I usually turn one story a, a day. I just do something for the 11 o'clock news. Um, but especially through MMJ, and I've talked to more and more women who are required to cut three different stories, maybe two Vosats and a package on three completely different topics uh, that they shot in three different places. And I don't know how they do that. That's, that's really tough to have good quality work. Um, so I think in situations like that, yeah, it can suffer because you're just trying to get it done. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of newsrooms care that um, the quality is suffering. Um, there are also situations where I don't think, as much as a MMJ trumpeter as I am, I do not think there are certain situations where we need to be by, by ourselves. Um, I don't really like MMJing and breaking news. It's tough when you're up against these two-person crews who, sometimes three-person crews um, in our market, and you know the reporter is focusing on tweeting and you know doing all the social media aspects, and I'm asked why I'm not doing that. Well, because I'm behind a camera and I'm trying to get information. You really can't. There are things that you can't do. Um, do every situations where you can't do everything. There are situations like that, and I hate to admit it, but it's true. Um, and then I'll segue that into the safety aspect because I'm night side. Um, there are some. There are a lot of nights where I'm out by myself doing live shots by myself. And do I think that's a good idea? No, I don't think it's a good idea at all. It doesn't matter if I'm in the nicest neighborhood or the worst neighborhood in Charlotte. My, and I've said this before, but my eyes are staring down the barrel of a camera. I'm not aware of what's going on. I'm trying to get that live shot perfect. Anything can happen behind me, and I'm completely unaware. So even just having that extra set of eyes, it's been nice the past couple of weeks. I've had an intern, so she can be the extra set of eyes for me. Um, so, there, yeah, there are those situations where I think that one one thing suffers, whether it's your your ability to ask questions or do research or your ability to stay safe. What is your advice for people who are just starting out, like your intern? Make the decision earlier than I did. Um, get that thought of this glamorous TV life out of your mind and decide if you're really going to commit to this and become a good MMJ, a good reporter, or go into PR. Um, because you really, it's interesting, from the three to five year mark, you see people, they're either going to stay in the business or they're, they're out. Um, so make that early. If you are going to commit to this and you really want to be a reporter or an MMJ, do something that makes you unique and special. And I know the reason I got to Charlotte was because of my storytelling and my shooting. Um, and I had that to set me apart. And so that's what these young women coming out of college need to do. I mean, I had an intern when I first got to Charlotte 
who um, she wanted to be a reporter. She didn't really have a whole lot of chops at that at that point, but she worked so hard her senior year. And now she's, gosh, she's almost better than me. Like she is better than me. She's doing such a phenomenal job. She's in her first, she's at the end of her first job in Wilmington. And she made that decision early on in college to commit to the craft and get really good at it. And it paid off. She got a great first job. And um, so that, yeah, that's what I, I advise. Not not str- it will help you not struggle and not be miserable in your first job if you make that decision early on. So essentially, like, go big or go home. Exactly. That's that's a good way to sum it up, yes. Well, is there anything else uh, that is, you think is important to share that we haven't asked you about? I think you guys have been pretty thorough. I mean, if you're not an MMJ, join us. Um and keep the conversation going. I'm so I love seeing you know everybody's work. We started this thing called Friday Favorite, where you post your favorite story of the week. Um, people can critique and talk about it. I was talking about that rut that I was in. I haven't posted in months and months because I just haven't liked any of my work. But I did see it an argument in another group that said, why are you posting your best work? If you want it to be critiqued, why don't you post just average work? Which is interesting. Ooh, yeah. I like that. It's it's because, you know, a lot of people post their best stories because they're expecting compliments. So why aren't you? And this is coming from someone else in an article I read. I didn't come up with this. Um, but it's just an interesting argument. So maybe I'll post my worst story of the week this week. <laughs> That's interesting. Are you finding, I know, are you, are you finding that women are open to critique do you know what I mean like if it's if it's if it's a safe space right and I post this thing that I may be proud of or not so much proud of but I say I want some feedback and and some of that feedback is negative are you are you finding that people are actually getting critiques and that they're you know welcome to those suggestions I think so yeah and you you see you know the most for the most part the people that are posting are in these small markets with the exception of a few and we have these, you know, powerful voices like Carolyn and like Ann Herbst, who I think are the most qualified to critique them and give them constructive criticism. Gosh, I remember the first time I sent you something, I thought it was so amazing. And you were like, this is actually terrible. But you said it. In oh, the- yeah. Carolyn, <laughs> Carolyn will do that to you. You Absolutely. said it in a way that I was like, you're right, it is. And I need to be better. <laughs> so I think it's like, oh, man, as opposed to other groups where it can get a little heated and um, there's a lot of egos. I think I've been proud to see that the constructive criticism has been prevailing. Thank you so much, Sarah Blake, for joining us as our inaugural interviewee on Women on Deadline. Um, It's been really exciting to have you and and to be able to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I'm excited to hear the podcast in the future. All right. In our kicker block, Sierra is going to share a story about misplacing her wallet and the lesson learned when you're starting out at a new TV station. Sierra just started a new job at a TV station in Monterey, California, and she has since gone through one growing pain in particular um, that I really, really think is important for her to share with our listeners. 
because um, if you've ever started a new station, you know, there's so much to learn. And it's like one thing that you just you don't stop and think to do is like, oh, hmm, <laughs> maybe I should fill out my contact list. <laughs> And and we're not talking about like actual sources. <laughs> no, we're not talking about sources here. So Sierra, tell us all about this. <laughs> so uh, I want to say, okay, I have to preface this with, I if my routine is messed up for the day or like doesn't go as planned, I lose my wallet, right? So if I wash so my weird. teeth, I know if I if I wash my teeth, if I brush my teeth before I wash my face. I will lose my wallet by 2 p.m. Like that's <laughs> that's that's just how it goes. It's so strange. I know. So this day, um, I feel like our plans got shifted a little bit. It was it was the weekend, of course. You know, you're a new girl. You work weekends, so it's the weekend. We go out to um, the lake, which is inland California. Super hot. I'm actually not a fan of the sun, especially after coming from Alaska, and so. So we're out there. It's like an hour and a half drive. We're hot. Um, We come back another hour and a half drive. And I am literally just ready for the day to be done, right? I just want to go home and start my weekend. Um, So (laughs) I left my wallet in the live truck because my plans had been changed for the day. If you didn't catch that that, uh, (laughs) that point (laughs) in the beginning. How do you keep it together? Yeah. So... (laughs) So the next day is uh, technically my Saturday. Everybody else is Monday. And I get up and I I don't think I noticed, honestly, until like noon. That's I think that's what it is. We were about to go out to lunch. That's what it is. We're about to go out to lunch. And I'm like, I don't know where my wallet is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So... So I look at my contacts and the only people's numbers I have are other people who are off that day. So <laughs> like two people. And so it, one of the reporters gives me someone who should be in the newsroom. So I contact her and she says, oh, I just left. <laughs> of course. But here is someone else's number. And uh, th- by this time, it happens to be the assignment manager who, you know, is in the newsroom. So I'm like, hey, I think I left my wallet either in the live truck or on my desk. So he looks on my desk. He's like, it's not there. And so I'm like, well, it's in the live truck. And he's like, well, the live truck is headed to the Monterey Bureau. Um, but, you know, here's the reporter who's got the live truck. So I contact the reporter and he's like, oh, just left the live truck. Like, <laughs> So how many people have you contacted? I want to this is maybe person number five or six. Uh, he's like, just left the live truck, but here's the photographer who has the live truck and, you know, reach out to him. So reach out to him. And he's like, yep, if it's pink, like we've got your wallet. Uh, and I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, of course it's pink. I'm like, great. So then I have to drive to the Monterey Bureau and get my wallet. And the reporter there, like starts to tell me about this, um, technology called the tile, which apparently I think you stick on whatever you're prone to losing and, you know, you can always find it. Maybe. I think that's how it works. I don't need that. I need, (laughs) I need something that zaps me when I step at least 15, like 15 feet or more away from my wallet. I need something that like sends my brain some sort of signal like, wait, (laughs) we're missing it. Uh, You need to not break your routine. (laughs) 
Right? You, and I work in news, so. Yeah, <laughs> so, God, how do you keep it together, Sierra? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Oh, my gosh. I think yeah. I'm always just mindful of, like, I'm going to lose this thing, and so I always have it with me. But uh, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. We went to go cover the budget, and I left it uh, in in the government building. You're kidding. And No, it was so bad. Uh, it was so bad. I, and so I didn't notice happened, until we got back to the newsroom. It happens all the time. Oh my, when did this happen? <laughs> oh, my gosh, Sierra. <laughs> Dude, you're a mess. And um, so government buildings close at 5 p.m. sometimes. But yeah. this one was open for some reason. And I called them because I knew the budget thing was still going on. You know how mm-hmm. you know how budget hearings are. Oh, yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure I left my wallet in, in the budget hearing. So if you could... <laughs> And they just kept it for me, and I was able to get it after I got off of work. So, oh my gosh, dear! So that happened since you left it in the in the live truck. Yes. Oh my gosh! And this time, I didn't need anybody anybody from work. I didn't need their numbers. I needed the budget hearing people's numbers. (laughs) You got to do the cell phone wallet keys thing. Yeah. Like so, Carolyn is Carolyn's talking about how, but I guess before she leaves anywhere, she does the whole keys phone wallet thing and my husband Preston also does the same thing and I don't actually want to turn into my husband Preston so <laughs> no thanks well there's nothing wrong with it it's it's such a good safeguard and it's like okay cell phone wallet keys if I have those three then I can function and I'm good to go and I'm I like I feel safe mm. that doesn't work for you I feel safe if my makeup bag is with me oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably more tragic uh, that's your priority <laughs> But anyway, the point of that whole story, sorry, was to <laughs> sort of tell people that if you're a new girl at the station, you should probably have everyone's number. I had no one's number, and it probably took me a little longer than it should have to figure out where my wallet was. Yeah, how long did it take you? A couple, honestly, a couple hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is such a waste of time. On your it really weekend. is. It really oh is. Yeah, and no, my Saturday. My Saturday was spent figuring out where my wallet was <laughs> great dude that's so bad yeah so uh kicker lesson of the day <laughs> as soon as you get to a tv station start stalking everybody in the newsroom and say hey what's your number hey what's yeah. your number hey, hey your just number? in case i lose my wallet <laughs> what's your number thanks <laughs> yeah there you go uh, all right that'll okay. do it for that us is- On Women on Deadline, a podcast about her experience in TV news. I'm Sierra Starks. And I'm Carolyn Hall. And we want to thank so, so much our guest this week, Sarah Blake Morgan, as well as Uh, Jennifer Summers, one of the best voices. Oh my gosh, she's got, I'm so jealous. Jennifer Summers, she's a producer at uh, KTVA in Anchorage, Alaska, where Carolyn and I used to work um, for queuing us in between breaks and queuing us out of the show. And if you are also a producer, want to lend your producer voice to our podcast, just send us an email, womenondeadline at gmail.com. Be great, Sierra. Be great, Carolyn. Out in five, four, three, two. Nice job, ladies. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.